Greetings, you curious conjurers, and welcome back to another mystifying episode of Salem in Scotland, From Magic to Murder. I'm Rebecca, your witchy wordsmith, and with me, as always, is Rue. That's right, Rebecca. Today we're turning back the sands of time to the year 1576, and we're headed to Scotland. Hold on to your wands, folks, because we're about to delve into the dark and intriguing world of Bessie Dunlop, accused of the unthinkable. And that brings me to today's episode title, The Witch of Lynn. Bessie's laundry list of charges includes sorcery, witchcraft and incantation, with the evocation of spirits of the devil, dealing with charms and jinxing the people with devilish craft of sorcery aforesaid. But here's the kicker, dear listeners. Bessie, just like the two of us, was a regular woman. A scaly woman, if you will, who had a knack for herbs and charms. She was known as a healer, a midwife, and an all-round good soul in her community. Now, just for anyone that doesn't know, scaly is a reference to, an olden term reference to someone who relied on old religion, herbs and charms. They were predominantly a healer. Just a little FYI for anyone in there. If you hadn't said that, I wouldn't know what scaly was, so I'm glad you did. Bessie was the type of person who just made your bad day disappear. Yet in this twisted world of witch trials, that's the one way ticket to a hot seat. A hot seat indeed, or shall we say a hot shoe? The cauldron is bubbling, the spirits are restless, and we're here to transport you to the 16th century Scotland to meet Bessie Dunlop. Stick around, dear listeners. The bewitching hour is upon us. Alright folks, time to dive headfirst into the eerie and unsettling social climate of the 16th century Scotland. Fear and superstition and a generous dollop of paranoia were the flavours of the day. That is correct, Amando, Rebecca. People lived in constant dread of the supernatural. An odd birthmark, a stroke of misfortune, or even a streak of bad luck, and you could be the next target. Now, let's dive into our asshole of the day segment, where we're going to explore the dark side of society using Bessie's time. Hold on to your hats, folks, because this one's a bumpy ride. It's a bumpy one a indeed. Bumpy ride. A bumpy one. Our first contender for the title of Asshole of the Day is William Kyle Butchus from Irvine. He was on a mission to recover his friend's prized kirtle. A lovely gesture, I'm sure. He must be a good friend to his mate. This was essentially a coat or gown worn by both men and women back in the day. Now, knowing Bessie's reputation for wise and honest answers, he decided to consult her for guidance. Sensible, I'd say. And you'd think by asking for guidance it'd be a noble act. Well, not quite. When Bessie honestly told him that it was Malloy Boyd who'd swiped the curtle, William Kyle Butchus didn't take the news too kindly. It's like he couldn't handle the truth. He threw his dummy out the pram. I mean, what else would you expect from these accusers of the time? I mean, you ask for honesty, and when you get it, you throw a fit. This takes us to our second contender for asshole of the day title, Malloy Boyd. Now, there's not much historical documentation about this Malloy Boyd character, but her actions speak louder than her words. So... She might not have been the one that accused Bessie of being a witch, but her five-finger discount did get her in the hot water. Wee Sticky Fingers' actions of thievery and deceit angered old Willie, and he told her. Snitches get stitches, or in this case, snitches get the stake. So, you see, she decided to cut the stolen kirtle into a shawl to cover up her thievish ways. And here's where things take a twist. William Butchus used this situation as a golden opportunity to accuse Bessie of witchcraft. And the plot thickens. Bessie found herself facing accusations because of Malloy Boyd's shenanigans. This is where it gets even more intriguing. And very intriguing indeed. Enter James Blair from Stage Left, a mysterious figure in this tale. We don't have a lot of historical records on him, but what we do know is that he played a significant role in securing Bessie's release. Now here's the kicker. It was practically unheard of for an accused witch to be set free during these times. That's right. 
Society, especially the church, had a firm grip on the accused, but somehow Bessie managed to escape the clutches of a grim fate. She was released and went on to continue her vital work, healing and helping her community. What an angel. It's a bit of a slap in the face though, isn't it? Like, she's helped the community for years, she's accused of witchcraft and she goes right back to it. Like, she would think that they either wouldn't accept her help or that she'd be like, no, sod the lot of yous, you've just accused me. But anyway, folks, as we delve deeper into Bessie's story, remember that sometimes those who act the most maliciously aren't always the ones facing the consequences. It's a lesson from history that still resonates today. Well, that wraps up our asshole of the day segment. And don't forget to show us some podcast love by subscribing, reviewing and sharing with your friends. Your support keeps us brewing these fascinating stories for you. Now that we've uncovered the sinister social climate that led to Bessie's unjust accusations... It's time for a spellbinding twist. Prepare to explore the mystical ties between Bessie's story and a beloved magical series. That's right, Rebecca. Today we're venturing into the world of pop culture and making an enchanting connection to Sabrina the Teenage Witch. You may think it's an odd match, but stick around. You're in for a bewitching surprise. Bessie's story takes us back to a time of fear and hysteria, where helping your community with folk remedies could make you the target for witchcraft accusations. Now, here's where the magic comes in. Remember that the episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the one where our favourite young witch decides to use her powers for good? Oh, you mean Sabrina, our modern day witch who takes on a mission to perform three good deeds in one day? I'm sure that went swimmingly. Well, not exactly, Rebecca. Sabrina, like Bessie, is trying to use her powers for the greater good. But in her quest to do good deeds, things take a pretty dark turn. Tell me more. So what happens when Sabrina, the well-meaning teenage witch, decides to take on some pro bono work? (laughs) <laughs> I like how you say pro bono. A lot, I watch a lot of suits. <laughs> <laughs> In a whirlwind of magical good intentions, she manages to fix a class election, injure a fellow student and turn lead into gold. As if that wasn't enough, she also decides to use her powers to boost her science teacher's financial situations. Oh, the path to good intentions is indeed paved with hellish consequences. But wait... It gets even more intriguing. When Sabrina takes matters into her own magical hands, things get downright chaotic. I say injure a student. She tries to help Harvey get running back position on the team. So how does she manage to injure a student then? The choice was help Harvey bulk up or slam the current running back's arm into the lockers and I think you can guess which one she chose. So I suppose it was easier to hurt the other guy. Precisely. Sabrina's actions led to unexpected outcomes. Her election manipulation ends up severely injuring her boyfriend Harvey and her act of alchemy creates economic chaos. It's almost like history repeats itself in a twisted way. Bessie, driven by the desire to help her community, ended up accused of witchcraft. Similarly, Sabrina's well-intentioned actions spiral into unintended disaster. There's a lesson to be learned here, folks. The desire to help others, no matter how well-intentioned, can sometimes lead to outcomes that we never anticipated. Bessie and Sabrina, in different times and worlds, show us how the complexities of wielding power for good. That doesn't mean you can't help if you aren't able to. Speaking of complexity, it's hard not to see the parallels between Bessie's actions and Sabrina's. Bessie used her skills to help her community. She healed people, found lost items and provided remedies. She was a white witch in a time where being accused of witchcraft was a death sentence. You're absolutely spot on, Rebecca. Bessie was selfless in her service to her community, much like Sabrina's attempts to help others. But history tells us that such selflessness often came at a great cost. In both cases, these women took risks. 
and their motivations were admirable, yet they found themselves in situations where good intentions couldn't shield them from unforgiving scrutiny of their time. It's a stark reminder that sometimes, no matter how magical or mundane, history has a way of repeating itself. And even across centuries and dimensions, there's a common thread of women who dared to help but were unjustly punished for it. Let's uncover the secrets of Bessie Dunlop and her life in Delray. So it's time to dive into the physical setting where Bessie lived. Delray, the quaint town where Bessie called home, has a rich history dating back centuries. In her time, it was a weaving community with skilled workers sewing and embroidering for manufacturers in Paisley and Glasgow. Quick detour for a minute. What are you thinking, Rebecca? So Dorai was obviously known as a weaving community. Do you know who else was in the textile industry? Tell me who. (laughs) Tell me why. (laughs) So Christian Shaw, the 11-year-old from our Paisley episode. Oh yeah, she was the asshole of the day, if I remember correctly. She was indeed. People say that she was the mother of the thread industry in the Renfrewshire area. Her work was so good that her threads were then used in lace manufacturer and people started employing her techniques in their own work. But listeners, you should definitely check out that episode if you love the dark and creepy. Sorry, back to what you were saying about Delray being a weaving community. That's alright, I love the little detour, but I digress. It was during the Industrial Revolution that Delray truly began to transfigure. It became a hub for textile, manufacturing and mining works, reshaping the character of the village itself. The expansion was significant with various ironworks like Ayrshire, Glengarnock, Eglinton and Blair fueled by the local coal reserves. The production of clay bricks also became a predominant industry. And let's fast forward to today and you'll find different kind of transformation on Dalry. A large chemical plant operates, formerly Roche, now it's BSM and it produces vitamins. And let's not forget the natural beauty of the area. Dalry was surrounded by captivating landscape. The town was nestled in a valley watered by the River Garnock, blessed with fertile land and stunning agricultural sensory. But the real gems are in its natural features, like Okinski, which is home to the natural cave with a gothic twist. The cave is 183 feet in length, with the ceiling panels adorned with calcareous incrustations, making it look like something out of a fantasy tale. But here's where it gets even more interesting. The link between the town's legends and Bessie's life. In Dolrag, there's a passageway known as Elfheim. The locals believe this was a site steeped in potent fairy magic. It's incredible to think that the legends of elfin magic are connected to this place, separate from Bessie's story. The magic of folklore intertwined with the history of Dalry adds an extra layer of mystique to the whole narrative of Bessie's story. The town is also rich in history, with ancient remains that hark back to the Neolithic period. The ancient fort, composed of three concentric round walls, still stands in Kerwinan Hill, to the north of Dalry. The fact that this place has such a long history is fascinating, Rebecca. Even back then, it was the hub of activity and legend, and it continues to thrive today. But here's where it all comes together. The landscape and the setting provide a vivid backdrop to the events of Bessie's life, her connection to her community, her healing abilities, and the support she provided all unfolded with this evolving and enchanting town. Indeed, the town's historical and physical transformation, along with its connections to folklore and legend, frame Bessie's story in a way that makes it come to life. It's a place of wonder and change, much like Bessie's own life. It's a place that saw Bessie's remarkable life unfold against a backdrop of history and myth. So, stay with us as we peel back the layers of time and venture further into the heart of Bessie's world. Do you know what also has layers? Onions. Onions. (laughs) (laughs) This is the heart of Bessie's story, where we unravel the intricate details of her life. 
her extraordinary confessions and the unjust trials that ultimately led to her fate. Bessie's tale is one that resonates through the corridors of time. In the November of 1576, Bessie Dunlop found herself accused of sorcery, witchcraft and incantation with the invocation of spirits of the devil. These were the grave charges that she faced. But like so many during the witch trials, Bessie was not the wicked sorceress they painted her to be. In fact, she was a skilly woman, relying on old superstition, traditional folk medicine and charms to aid both people and animals. She possessed a profound knowledge of the herbs and properties. And Bessie was highly respected in her community as a local healer and as a midwife. She offered her skills and services and in return, the community held her in such a high regard. Do have a lot of love for midwives. I know. Like, for sure. Big up all the people that bring us into the world. It's truly astounding that over four centuries after her time, we can still find documentation of a simple woman from Dorai. The fact that the town still thrives today is a testament to Bessie's incredible story. Maybe her good magic has had a lasting impact on the town. I'd like to think so. Mm, me too. But Bessie's story is a testament to her remarkable character. She's a woman who stands out as a beacon of kindness and skill. Someone who used her abilities for the benefit of those around her. And let me tell you, you don't see that often today. No, you do not. What's equally mesmerising is the consistency of her confessions. During her trials, Bessie never wavered. She did not deviate from her story about Elfheim and her spirit guide. The folklore legends surrounding Elfheim have already existed in Dalry, independent of Bessie's accusations. Even a passageway at Cleves Clove was believed to be the site of potent fairy magic. I think we should go and visit that. At some I'd point. honestly, please, can we do a day trip and a photo shoot? And, um, you know, since it's Halloween. Oh, and let's not forget, Rue. While they often paint folklore with idyllic messages of fairies and enchantment, many of these legends also have darker sides. Not all creatures of folklore are beings of light. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at Kelpies. Everyone thinks they're great until they drag you to your watery grave. But Bessie's story is one of the most recorded stories from the witch trial periods. Her account is referenced by Scottish author Sir Walter Scott in Letters on Demonology and Witchcraft. The fact that Bessie and Tom Reed are also referenced in Robert Pitcairn's Ancient Criminal Trials of Scotland just tells you how enduring her story is. Despite enduring agonising torture, Bessie never confessed to entering pacts with the devil, attending the witches' sabbaths, or cursing the land and children. She only told the story of how she came to be acquainted with magic. In a world where survival often depended on playing by the rules, Bessie's resilience and steadfastness in the face of brutal accusations and suffering is awe-inspiring. She may be a white witch, but she's also a badass in my books. Bessie was ultimately found guilty of witchcraft and sent the sentence she faced was chilling, burned at the stake on Castle Hill in Edinburgh. It's impossible not to feel a sense of injustice whenever you consider Bessie. She used her skills for well-being of the community and met such a horrifying fate. Bessie Dunlop's life is a stark reminder of the injustice that many faced during the witch trials. Her story is both heartbreaking and inspiring. It's one that we must remember. The beliefs of that era were like a cauldron bubbling with strange tales of magical thinking. Scotland in the late 16th century was a place where stories of fairies, elves and spirits weren't just for children. They were a part of everyday life, shaping the way that people understood the world around them. I would love if people still believed in that kind of stuff nowadays. I know. It just brings that light into your life. I know, but then everyone's so quick to make it all light and hearty. And, hey, and so many of it's not like that. No, it's not. Some of these stories found their way into Bessie's tale. One that particularly stands out is the concept of Elfheim, a place of potent fairy magic associated with the Cleves Cove, right there in Dalry. 
but these magical places weren't always idyllic, were they, Drew? No, they absolutely were not. As we've seen in many of our episodes, the supernatural isn't always rainbows and unicorns, like we were just saying. In folklore, fairies could be as mischievous as they were helpful. And speaking of which, let's not forget about Tom Reed, the spirit that Bessie encountered. You know, he could have easily been a figure straight out of folklore. One of the best Taylor Swift albums. <laughs> the fact that Tom could move through stone walls and had a persistent interest in Bessie's well-being is eerily similar to the interactions people had with fairies. They were known to offer aid, but also test your commitment in Bessie. Well, she definitely faced some trials of her own. So... The next time you hear a fairy tale or a folk legend, remember that these stories aren't just whimsical tales, but they were once an integral part of people's lives. Now, we're going to journey back through the pages of history and dissect the world in which Bessie Dunlop lived. This means we get to look into the medicinal properties of the ingredients that Bessie used, explore the church's role in stoking fear, and examine the harrowing trials that she faced. Let's start with those mystical ingredients. Some of the components Bessie used in her remedies have truly fascinating properties. Take, for instance, aniseed or star aniseed. Modern research shows that it boosts antimicrobial, antifungal, antiviral, antioxidant, all the antis, basically. All the antis. Yeah, all of them. It's also used as a muscle relaxant, an analgesic and an anticonvulsant. It's quite a little powerhouse, but on the spiritual side of things, if you were using star aniseed in a spell or just in spell work or in magic in any way, it can also have uses for divination and building psychic abilities. Ooh. I know. Ooh. Is aniseed the stuff that's in licorice? Yes, it comes from li- licorice. Does come from it, but star aniseed is separate from aniseed itself. I was going to say because that's a hard pass yeah. then, but okay. <laughs> the unassuming clove, a staple in her repertoire, contains a higher concentration of antimicrobials and antioxidants than many fruits and vegetables. It's incredible how these folk remedies actually had scientific merit. It's funny that eh? it's almost like modern research may have only just been catching on to this. Another essential ingredient, ginger, is no slouch either. Studies have found it has positive effects on nausea and vomiting during pregnancy, inflammation and various metabolic disorders related to digestive functions. There's also, of course, the magical side of ginger. Magical purposes for spell work can be to do with love, strength, money or power. Ginger is the powerhouse of the cell. (laughs) Hey, don't forget licorice. Uh, sorry, I had to bring it up. Okay. Metabolites isolated from licorice have been found to have numerous pharmacological activities. It's anti-inflammatory, antiviral, aids in immune regulation, and even exhibits anti-tumor properties. So Bessie's remedies weren't just folklore. No, they weren't. They held real medicinal potential. Now let's talk about the broader context in which Bessie lived. This was a time of great societal upheaval. The church had a stranglehold on its followers. When people began to turn away from traditional religion due to the plagues of the 1300s and onwards, the church had to find a new way to assert its dominance. The witch hunts and accusations provided the perfect opportunity for the church to govern authorities and reassert their control. Now, let's talk about the broader context in which Bessie lived. This was a time of great societal upheaval. The church had a stranglehold on its followers. And when people began to turn away from traditional religion due to the plagues of the 1300s and onwards, the church had to find a new way to assert dominance and quickly. They couldn't just pee on trees like dogs do, you know? (laughs) The witch hunts and accusations provided the perfect opportunity for the church and government authorities to reassert control. Widespread fear and accusations of witchcraft gave them a way to grip the reins of power once more. 
It's also crucial to understand the brutal methods used during these trials. Bessie's confessions were not voluntary. Torture was often the tool of choice. In Bessie's case, hanging her by her thumbs, holding the soles of her feet to fire and burning them until she would confess were just a few examples. But there was more. Let's not forget the torment of sleep deprivation, another common method employed on the accused witches. Sleep deprivation wreaks havoc on the mind and body, impairing brain activity and even organ functions. In extreme cases, it can lead to death. Now picture this. Bessie, after enduring endless torture sessions and relentless suffering, insisted she was telling the truth about Elfheim and Tom Reed. The agony she faced during her trials was unimaginable, and it's testament to her strength that she didn't alter her story, no matter the cost. Not even a wee bit? No, nothing. The injustices that people like Bessie suffered are a stark reminder of the darker aspects of her history. Even today, recognising that these accusations were groundless is not enough. The damage has already been done. As we peel back the layers of Bessie's life and the world she inhabited, remember the cost that these individuals paid for the sake of superstition and fear. It's a tragic and cautionary tale that deserves to be heard, and we are honoured to share it with you. So we've covered Bessie Dunlop's incredible story, the accusations, the torture and the social climate during our time. But what about the aftermath? What were the long-term consequences of the witch trials on both the communities and the accused? It's a sobering thought. The witch trials left deep scars on the communities they affected. Families and neighbours turned against each other, fuelled by fear and hysteria. Accusations of witchcraft tore the social fabric apart. And while the witch hunts may have ended, the legacy of these trials persisted. They had a profound impact on later legal and cultural developments. The trials set a dangerous precedent. Accusations of witchcraft and trials based on flimsy evidence became the norm. The concept of guilty until proven innocent was prevalent during this time. And it's crucial to understand that the consequences of these trials extended beyond the accused witches. The fear of witchcraft hung like a dark cloud over these communities. The legacy of the witch trials serves as a dark reminder of the dangers of mass hysteria, prejudice and scapegoating. It's a lesson that still resonates in today's modern society. In a world where prejudice and hysteria can still lead to unjust accusations and discrimination, it's vital to remember the lessons of history. Bessie Dunlop's story is a testament to the resilience of human spirit and a stark reminder of the injustices committed in the name of fear. That's right, and it's important that we continue to examine these historical events, learn from them and work towards a more just and empathetic society. Bessie's story is a symbol of the enduring strength of human spirit and we must ensure her legacy helps us strive for a more compassionate world. As we wrap up this episode, it's impossible to ignore the profound injustice that Bessie endured. She was a healer, a midwife and a community pillar, yet she was branded as a witch, tortured and ultimately burned at the stake. The witch trials of her time painted a chilling portrait of fear and prejudice. It's a stark reminder of how hysteria and superstition can lead to tragedy. Bessie's story is just one of many. Her resilience in the face of torment shines through. As we journey deeper into the past, we'll encounter more stories that challenge our understanding of history and human nature. We've got a lot more in store for you and we can't wait to share it. So make sure you're subscribed to our podcast and take a moment to leave a review. Your feedback means the world to us. And don't forget to share Salem and Scotland with your friends and fellow history enthusiasts. 
We're always thrilled to welcome new listeners to our dark and mysterious adventure. You're going to search for bewitching conversations, arcane adventures, and of course, a little dash of good-natured chaos. 